Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Brad, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's uh, It's been a beautiful day. Man, I wish I was out on a bike. That's all I got to say. That's fair. It's been a great day, great weekend. Yeah, it was It was nice outside, but cool yesterday especially. I thought that was really awesome. Spent a little bit of time out running around outside doing a couple little things. Not a whole lot, but what about you? How is Addison doing? I'm good. Uh, I didn't do, I guess it's been a couple weeks. There's been a lot going on prior to this week. Yes. Uh, you know, last week didn't do a ton, got the scooter back together and, and ready to try to get some fresh gas in it and try to kick it. And you got a good battery for it. Got a good battery, got the right. battery all acided up. So are you going to be kicking it over tonight? Is this the first we'll time see. I in a couple get, weeks? I'm going to do non-ethanol. I'm just going to do five gallons of non-ethanol for the dirt bikes and everything. So I got to get the right gas, which isn't necessarily next door. Well, what year is it again? Uh, the scooter is an 07. So it won't matter. Yeah, it shouldn't matter too much. It doesn't but it's still care. Good. But if yeah. I'm going to go get gas, I'm going to get the right gas that I can put in the other bikes. Yeah. The yeah. dirt bikes don't want ethanol. So. No. I'll start it with that. And I got to fill up. The, my boy's 50. Is, I cleaned the carbs. It wanted to kick over with bad gas. So. Right. Last time you started it up. Ran great. With his teddy bear. You, he was, it yes. was kind of running a little rough, you said. Uh, well, so when I first got it running, what, end of last year? I spent yeah. some time on it and got it running pretty good. Is that has it been that long ago since we yeah. talked about that? Yeah, and then I tried <sighs> to start it a few weeks ago and it didn't want to kick over, so I did a carb cleaning with the new ultrasonic cleaner, mm-hmm. and uh, it wanted to then start even with bad gas. Yeah, I haven't heard so. about how that cleaner's been doing. It works. Wait, that that's no enthusiasm whatsoever for getting a new tool. It works. It's not so much a tool as a bath, but wait, it's nice. It wait, makes it easier. Did, was it? Did it turn out the way you anticipated? Sure. Yeah, you just drop some cleaner in there. You drop some parts in there. You turn it on, and he cleans them. It's less exciting than hand cleaning, no, but it's nice and convenient. No, if I get a new tool, it has to turn my face from a frown to a smile. I got to be grinning. There's got to be some enjoyment out of it. The fact that I'm not having to do the something. The car wasn't that dirty. The fact that I don't have to work that hard to get it clean is going to make me excited. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I get a tool is to make something easier. And that brings joy. There's a difference in easier. I See, I like tools for doing the job right. And that's not necessarily easier. Easier or harder doesn't matter as much sometimes. I oh, like... what? Harder doesn't matter? If it's harder, that's okay with you. If, yeah, if you're getting the same job done, what does it matter? Time. Sure. But sometimes uh, I don't mind sitting and polish, hand polishing a wheel or hand polishing the, the case on the JT1. I don't mind doing some of that manual labor work. I don't want to drop it into a pit and let it do all the work. That's why you bought molasses. Well, that was to get the rust off. And then <laughs> oh to gosh. polish it, I'm going to sit and hand polish it and put some elbow grease into it. Yeah, and then there's it tools nice. that make that better too. That I'm just was a saying. 15 minute run. I wasn't. Okay. It wasn't that dirty. I didn't get a ton of enjoyment because I probably <sighs> could have just hosed it off with carb cleaner. It was just 
a little bit of film and color. It I've just been really disappointed crusty. that you haven't told me anything about this tool that I went down it. with you. We made a fool of ourselves in Harbor Freight like that's, we always do. Yeah, that's every time. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't heard anything. And this has been a month or two? Well, I just did that this weekend. That's no, that we, we went and bought yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't used it yet. Okay. Okay. It'll be more exciting when I pull out the, the second GL500 because that carb looked like it needed some love. Okay. And that's going to leave probably a inch thick film on the bottom of gunk and rust. And yeah, but it started, it, I, I agree, but it started up. So sure. it can't be horrible. It, well, I got enough dirt and grime and color out of the good one to know that this one's going to be, it's going to discolor in one batch. I will run a couple batches of cleaner because it will get dirty. out of a good one. You're talking about the scooter. No, out of the, out of the original GL500, my first GL500, I cleaned that. And it came out, I mean. You used the machine color. on that I didn't too? use the machine. I used carb cleaner, but it left a nice sure. spot on the cardboard I was cleaning on of color. Like it wasn't spotless. So to know that that one that was pretty well maintained and kept clean mm-hmm. came out dirty, I can only imagine the other one's going to have a pretty good layer of. So paint. is it going to look like Larry's front cover page? Hopefully. Perfection. That's the plan. Because to me, that would excite me about having I agree a with tool. That. Yes. Okay. Well, that'll well, just it's do not the cleaning, take and the then I got to do the polish from, yes. from the pliers out of it. I'll but have anyway. to file and polish from there because <laughs> there's some weird mix in it. But I'm excited to get to that one. That one will excite me on this tool. This yeah, will make yeah. you know three hours worth of scrubbing and cleaning of every jet into right. 30 minutes of. Well, if you ever get into reloading, yeah. then you can also do your casing, all kinds and, of stuff. Yeah. tools. Yeah. I actually am tempted. I've got a couple of tools that are pretty nasty that I've inherited. Okay. That would be fun to just drop in there and watch uh, them come out polished and clean. Well, a lot of that you'd have to fully disassemble, let's say, like vice grips if you want sure. to get in there and get those really cleaned up. I'm not saying that's what you're going to do, but yeah. yeah, let me know how that goes. But for this, that's you drop cool. it in and it gets into every little I love I love so. new tools, man, because I always make do without the right tool or without a good tool for sure. too long to the point where when I finally get it, I'm excited. I've kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I've bought lately is the right tool for the job. may not be the most expensive, quickest version of the right tool, but, you know, rather than using random, oh, you know, a mix of three screwdrivers yeah. Yeah. to get something open, I'm just buying the specialty <laughs> pliers to just do it because it's so... Right. It, yeah. I don't know if you're I've referring dropped, to brake, like doing brake uh, drums and everything I mean, else. Just, C clips, yeah, yeah, sir clips. I've dropped before because I'm trying to use two pairs of you know yeah. screwdrivers in the past. I finally bought the right pliers a couple of years back. Okay, just the right tool, whether it's yeah. the perfect tool I or know, not. But it makes the much. job it, okay. But, but you've right had to do matters. it with the wrong tool. Yes, you've had to do it with the wrong tool. Yes. You appreciate the right tool that much better when you've had to make do with the wrong. Yeah, tool. that's fair. That's why when and you're I'm, not excited. Sure. It's like, why did you even buy this, right? If you were okay well, with the right doing tools. the right... Okay. I had scrub brushes and, you know, pipe cleaners, the small, tiny carb pipe cleaners. Okay. But this was easier. I mean, this just meant I dropped it in the bucket and hit go, yeah, right? I didn't have easy. to disassemble that's everything. That's easy. Because that's I knew awesome. it wasn't that dirty, right? It was... I, I would be... I have to tell you the truth. If I had this, I would have cleaned so much by now. Yeah. That's fair. Just going out and pushing the go button. I should do that more. That's fair. I have it, and I've got, what, a three-month warranty before Yeah, yeah. that I need Clean to prove that it either works or not. So. Clean everything. That's an interesting point. I should just have it run permanently for the next month, and yeah. I'll know whether it's a keeper or one of the yeah, bad Yeah, find ones. out how well it takes off the decals and paint on a Hot Wheels car. I mean, because you got it. 
That's a terrible idea. Why would you demolish a Hondas car? Because it sounds like fun. Just to see what it would do. Maybe to come back and it would be perfectly shiny. That's probably true. I'm just using simple green. It shouldn't eat the paint. Yeah. No. Well, it depends. Yeah, I guess it would depend on what paint it was. Yeah. Yeah, because I used it to clean off a dash. I remember taking off the chrome paint that was trim paint around the cluster. Really? Was it simple green? Yeah, simple green was. Simple green is supposed to be pretty uh, non-invasive when you're working with kind of every material possible to the point of drinking it. Oh, it's supposed to be simply green. Go green. Well, it's just supposed to be, as things go, much more friendly to your hands and body than the average. I don't know why we're drinking it, but we're not. we do not And I don't recommend suggest. anyone drinking it. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's supposed to be kind of, it gets the grease and grime and doesn't destroy other things type. I really hope nobody thing. drinks Simple Green now. Why not? I, I don't know. I'm just really disappointed. If you're thirsty, man. Okay. Next time. Bring some in, I'll try it. We'll do a taste test. All right. Is it simple green or Mountain Dew? Can I mix it with coffee? No. Ah, oh, We're cutting you off of coffee, speaking of that. <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. Okay. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, something awesome happened last week. I didn't get to go, and you can rub it in my face a little bit if you want. That's but, not nice. But you got to go with a good group of guys on an awesome motorcycle adventure weekend. We did. We had the what I always call the slacker motor ride. Yeah. Every yes. uh, Memorial Day time ish. Uh, what are we at? Our fourth year now. Yes. And uh, everybody, what we had a group of eight go do a Washington loop. A group of four go do an Oregon loop. Uh, took different days and different times off based on uh, availabilities. And from what I understand, you know, the group of four, we've, everybody had a good time. Didn't good. have too much rain till the second half, as far as I could tell. Haven't heard a confirmation one way or the other, which yeah, I don't know if we may lead to rain. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing if we didn't hear good news, it meant that they did hit the rain, yeah, which confirms why we face. wanted to go north. Yeah. Um, but the eight that went north, we had a couple split off and do their own thing at certain points. Yeah. Uh, truth be told, one of them was kind of always planning on doing that anyway. The other one just decided he wanted to basically get home a lot later than everyone else and do see a lot more. So good for him on the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, everybody came home, had a good time, no problems. We had, uh, my worst case was a flat tire. Yeah. It wasn't even a flat tire, just a nail found in the tire that we pulled out and patched and, mm-hmm. and uh, filled up before it was ever flat to the ground. So it wasn't an end of the world situation. Yeah. Was that one enough. where they just, somebody saw that it was shiny or somebody actually felt that it was, it was different? Yeah, it was, the, the tire was low. He felt it low. Oh, We okay. stopped at the gas station, put it on the center stand, found that there was clearly a nail in it. And sure. From there, repaired and went moved on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, interesting group of bikes. We had, you know, a couple BMW 1200s. Okay. Had a KTM 990, uh, a couple of SV650s, the, both the V-Strom and the Street SV650. Really? So who had the... The different V-Stroms. Well, we had, Scott had his V-Strom, and then Clark had the SV650. Oh, okay, okay. They're sorry. both the same engine, just different sure. setups, Okay, right? okay, sorry, yeah, yeah. And then the GL500, which did just fine. Mm-hmm. That uh, was an awesome adventure, man, to take a $1,600, new to me, but not new in any way, shape, or form, by far the oldest bike, maybe older than all the bikes combined. Uh, bike out there and that is funny. I do the whole trip, yeah, 
and uh, come back no problem, keep up for the most part straightaways. It definitely didn't have the uh, go juice that mm-hmm. everybody else had on a long straight, but around the corners, once I got used to the handling of that bike and the weird feel that is the front end of that bike, and that's probably more due to age and something I could work on from here. Um, but once I got used to it, yeah, no problems, man. was able to keep up with everyone and have a good time and sure. kind of push my limits on the bike. I know that the bike could do more, and especially if it were set up a little more correctly, I'd push it a little further. But It sounds like it's, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. We didn't do a recording, but you were a little surprised at how uh, maneuverable it is. When you started actually getting into it and trusting the bike, trusting the tires a little bit more, as you got comfortable and knew its limits, that you were a little surprised. I definitely was. I didn't expect uh, nearly as much carvability out of the bike. I mean, it's it's heavy for what it is. It's a 500. Truth be told, the, the horsepower is not all that different from the Scrambler. I think it's about 10 horses less. Really? Okay. Isn't, you know, that's not a world difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes on very differently. The Scrambler was all low end and middle, and this is all low end and high end. The middle's kind of gutless in between. Oh, really? Okay. It wants to come off of the, you know, come off of idle, run for a couple thousand RPM, and then not do a lot until you hit 5,000 RPM and then start running again. Hmm. So once I kind of figured out the gearing and how that, how it wanted to run, some of that could be carb work and, and, you know, there's a dent in one of the pipes. It could be some of the flow of it that's throwing it off a little bit. One of the exhaust pipes. Um, yeah. 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 But, um, Realistically, yeah, we, we kind of, I mean, I guess getting back to the trip itself, we, we started in immediately, well, I guess we're on the highway for just a few miles mm-hmm. and then immediately hit twisties. I mean, we went up through the Clickitat Loop, which is a pretty awesome twisty road to kind of cut through some small towns up there and made our way up kind of to the Cooley Dam area for the day one. After the, the, uh, those twisties through Clickitat was a good uh, intro for me to understand how the bike wanted sure. to carve back and forth and flow. Right. Kind of understand the flow of that bike, its length, and its, its uh, we'll call it girth for that, because it's kind of a wide bike for what it is. Well, it has bags and other things on it that adds yeah. to it. Um, but yeah, I kind of spent that time getting getting worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, I kept up a little bit with the SV crew, but I think that's just more riding time on the seat, because okay. I had the ability to be comfortable hitting those, coming into those corners a little hotter. Just because I've been up there and I know those roads a little bit. I've done them a couple times. Sure. So uh, that was more experience was the only reason I could keep up with that crew. The big bikes were gone. I have no idea until we got to the gas station spots, mm-hmm. you know, over near Goldendale. I didn't know where they were. Um, but after that, we kind of went through a few more sections and all the other twisty sections there. I, I was able to more or less ride through the middle of the pack, um, you know, wasn't wasn't a problem. The bike's a little more nimble than I thought it would be. Sure. I uh, need some front end work. Definitely the, the suspension, the more I read about it, a lot of people are doing not necessarily conversions to, there's a lot of people that do convert to bigger sport bike suspension. Sure. Custom triple clamps and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of guys that will take the suspension and actually drill out the center of the tubes and put in a, uh, basically a modified, uh, system to more, make it more of a cartridge. It feels like a cartridge suspension, cartridge. Uh, fork setup. Hmm. It's not really, but the way that it valve the valves work in this custom fitting, it lets the suspension ride a lot more based on the input. Whereas if you're getting sharp inputs, it doesn't let flow through. But if it's slow or more lumbering inputs, it lets it still ride like a Cadillac. Oh, so really? the way that it limits and moderates the flow 
actually gives it more of a comfortable sport feel when mm. you're wanting to be more sporty, when you put a little weight on that. Yeah, front yeah, end. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of looking at that as I think probably the more viable option for the front end of it, I think is just tuning the current front end, mm-hmm. but rebuilding the whole thing at the same point, I think yeah. is more viable to the, the full dynamics of the bike, right? That keep it true to what it is mm-hmm. with a few upgrades internally. Um, so that was day one. So what, what was the most surprising thing about you riding this era of a bike starting off day one? Starting off, it was just a lot of me trying to keep up. I mean, not necessarily that it was hard, but at the beginning I had to learn the bike pretty quick on those corners. Um, and then understanding, you know, the noises, the feel, the vibration, what RPM it wants to run. It was a lot of me learning the bike a lot more than you do on a simple commute, really sure. getting to know the bike. Uh, so day one did a lot of that. We actually ended up hitting some dirt roads. Okay. Learned very quickly that bike is terrible off-road. Probably okay. has a lot to do with the tires that are on it or lower-cost white wall tires, yeah. which yeah. are not what you generally see but off-road. But you could do it, right? Because we've talked about this we before. Did you did just I kept fine. it at about 25, 30 miles per hour. I wasn't babying it. It's not like I was duck-footing the whole way. Okay. You know, I was, uh, I was going just fine. Mm-hmm. Kept up with... Yeah, the V-Strom was just was behind me. The, the SV, I kept up with the street bike guys. I uh, was able to actually pass. You know, I basically was behind the twelve. You know, the twelve hundred GSs and the nine ninety. Okay, but I have dirt bike experience, so some of that is also an experience thing that I understand where to put my weight and mm-hmm. what to do if the front end starts to walk on me. Sure, and when the back end starts to to squeal out. I mean, it was it was definitely not comfortable riding. Mm-hmm. That bike didn't want to track straight, and the it was pretty soft gravel. It's not like we were talking a hard pack, um, you know, heavily used road. They had clearly just re-graveled in sure. the last, you know, recent past. Yeah, yeah. Um, to where it wasn't it wasn't hard pack. It was enough that you know even the scrambler would have been a little squirrely back then. Okay, but uh, but that was fun. It was an adventure. Yeah, to take this big you know eighty two bagger down uh down this dirt road being by far the only guy you know that's done that in the group the only guy with any bike in the, of that sort and mm-hmm. you know it, that was probably the most fun thing for me is as we're going through these old towns and that's kind of what that yeah. trip through central washington is old towns yeah it's kind of just thinking back when was the last time this bike you know how many times since 82 to 85 has a bike like this been through one of these towns right is anyone else riding yeah, i mean how many miles like how many miles we did a 400 mile day yeah and yeah. how, when was the last time someone took an 82 through central Washington, right, for 400 miles? And 1,000 miles, 1,100 round trip yeah. on a weekend, right? It, it, it was kind of cool. I get these, like, vintage coast-to-coast rides, and there's so many yeah. cool rides that guys do on these bikes that not only are you getting to know the ride of the bike, but you've got to pay attention to the noises and the sounds. And every day, it wasn't, you know, scrambler, I'd get up, check a couple things, and get on and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every morning I'm checking a few more, checking my oil levels, coolant levels. I'm much more aware of what could go wrong and what I need to know in the mornings. Right, because you haven't gone through everything. And and one thing that was kind of interesting, and you haven't touched on this, is you were trying to get ready for this trip. And you kind of ran into a few hurdles along the way that was like changing the oil was a pain, right? Or you were kind of concerned just going, this is an 82 and I want to adjust the handlebars. Is everything going to, isn't I going to break a bolt trying to loosen it up? I mean, your bike has been clearly taken care of and it's been covered or under uh, in the garage most of its life, if not all of it, but still these things still come up as like, 
When's the last time this was ever loosened? Did somebody lock tight? Who knows what other people have done, right? Yep. So yeah, there's a big concern about. I mean, yeah, your the handlebar was one conversation we had of. Yeah. You know, if I remove these four bolts, if one of them is broken, it's now a compromised bike, right? It's not safe. Yeah. If it goes down or something happens, that bar is going to move. Mm-hmm. If I don't have a good clamp load on all four. And so, you know, I finally decided just for 1,100 miles in a weekend, it's not worth riding uncomfortably. So it's time to make those small adjustments. Everything went well, but yeah, oil change, the oil, oil change was great, right? Oil Mm. drain plug comes out, easy to change, but the filter housing didn't want to come loose. It looked like it had been over torqued maybe 10 times. (laughs) I don't know when the last time it was changed was, and I also don't know when the last time prior to that, the gasket on the filter housing was changed. That was yeah. the big issue is that gasket was more or less gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in there, but smashed flat. And so it had just been torqued down enough to stop any leaking. Sure. Which isn't right. The right way to do that is get a new seal for the housing. <laughs> and if you buy, you know, the couple dollar more filter, you get that seal for free. Yeah. Right. It comes with the good filters. So it was definitely a, an adventure. That one was one that I kind of committed to getting it off because I didn't want to run 1,100 miles on a filter I didn't know the age of. Right. I kind of helped with that. Or I kind of made that worse or made you feel – I think I kind of swayed you towards that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe unintentionally, but I think it was the right choice. But I was getting getting nervous for you as you were texting me and telling me about how the (laughs) event was going. And then I see this photo and I, I wish we had some way to share things like that really easily. But uh, it was it, it would make you scratch your head and go, who are these guys? Yeah. So, uh, but you got it off. I got right? it off without breaking anything. Yeah. Right. I, I bo- so luckily, you know, I bought a bike afterwards, a second GL five hundred, and so I knew I had spare parts. Yes. And so test one before I really went, you know, nuts on the other one was can I get that filter off? And ironically, the last time that oil filter was changed, it was mm-hmm. done right. Okay. Even though that bike's in significantly worse condition, yeah, the oil filter housing was in great condition. <laughs> so I pulled that off, and uh, you know, and that all came off. The housing, the bolt, no problems, nothing broken. Mm-hmm. Called it good. So I took that, and I knew I at least had a full replacement of everything. Sure. Right. I can do everything from there if I need to. Mm-hmm. I knew worst case scenario, I can get a hacksaw and just chop the filter housing in half. Mm-hmm. And relieve every bit of load from the bolt and then start really going nuts on the bolt internally if I had to. Yeah. And it wouldn't – the way that the bike is set up, I knew that pulling the old one off, that there's nothing going to get into the – into the sump, into any part of the oil housing that's pretty much all independent. Once you pull that off, it's a flush surface with a bolt hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a problem. So if I cut that in half, I wouldn't be really concerned about destroying anything internally. Um but it was a yeah, it was an adventure to get the other one off. Mm-hmm. The bolt was was pre-stripped and over torqued all at once. So I you know tried everything I could to welding nuts onto the end of the bolt to you know vice grips is obviously step one, but that didn't do any good. Mm-hmm. To uh, you know finally ended up having to chisel the bolt off, uh, chisel the bolt loose. I didn't chisel it off, but put a, a V notch in the bolt and use that to basically spin the bolt with an impact being a chisel and hammer while also having a, a probably a 150 probably more than that a couple hundred pounds of torque on the housing via mm-hmm. strap wrench yeah is more yeah. or less what it ended up being I, like brad said the picture is much more ridiculous than the conversation yeah and this conversation it makes just, sense it's just how you got that to work out is is everyone was out of the house it was just me i had to figure something out so why not tie the strap wrench to the hitch of my truck 
Yeah. yeah. And it's torque that up one. with a ratchet. Yeah. With a ratcheting strap. <laughs> yeah. Become a Patreon user and you'll get to see this. This is Yeah, great. we'll post that to the Patreon account. That's a good point. Yeah. We'll add that uh you know classy fix <laughs> to the to the Patreon uh know how. Yeah. yeah. It'll be it'll be part of the, the tips and tricks. Mapping yeah. But uh yeah, so I mean to your point though, there was a lot of things I did try to get done. A couple things weren't you know, I, I replaced the shift shaft seal. Yeah. Knew it wasn't leaking any oil. Wrote it to work a couple times after doing that. Mm-hmm. There was no oil leak, so I knew I was pretty good on oil. Brought a cord anyway, just because. Yeah. Um, who knows what will happen, right? Some other seal might be going bad. And or the housing might have had a problem after right. all that work. Yeah, right? that's what I was Could concerned have leaked about. out of the yeah. oil filter housing. So I brought a quart of oil. Knew that the mechanical seal on the water pump never really got fixed. Mm-hmm. I was able to replace any of the gaskets and make sure that the water pump was working correctly. Um, and that it was sealed as a unit, but the mechanical seal... That separates basically the shaft. There's two seals. There's an oil seal on the shaft sure. that goes to the water pump, and then there's a mechanical seal for the water side. Internal is supposed to be just air, but if either seal fails, it doesn't leak into the other system. It pulls out through a weep hole, mm-hmm. and that weep hole was weeping a lot of coolant. Uh, come to find out when the engine is hot and the thermostat's open and the water pump is moving, the easiest flow path for the coolant isn't through the crack in the mechanical seal. It's through the tubes and hoses so since we were basically just running 400 miles a day for three days straight i leaked almost zero coolant sure it said idle or sitting at a stop or warm up time that it really leaks a lot and when i'm at work you know i'll warm it up in the morning warm it up if i go somewhere at lunch warm it up after work Mm -hmm. that's those three to five times a day that it's getting that you know 10 minutes of warm-up time before the water pump crack or the thermostat cracks that i end up with all kinds of dripping yeah so it really ended up being a non-issue, but I had a full liter of coolant if I needed it. Sure. Cleaned out an old container and brought the correct, you know, rated plastic. That was an important tip. I think Brad was helpful in that, and that I was debating how am I going to bring just a liter instead of a gallon. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went over, you know, just the plastic in, uh, insignia or whatever on the bottom of the right. container, as long as it matched what the coolant came in, I knew I'd be coolant safe. Sure. Whether there was other material in that that would leach out slightly or not. Truth be told, wouldn't matter in an emergency anyway. So yeah, some oil or whatever is better fluid than container, no oil. But yeah, it, yeah, a little bit of brake fluid wasn't really. Good. Oh, I thought you were going to use the oil from the the one of the motorcycles. No, like I use that for the oil. I mixed the Yamaha. Oh. I had like a tenth of a quart left. Okay. So I just and it's the same weight. Okay. So I just mixed my sure my okay. uh, That's my fair. good oil for the bike into that and called it a quart of oil. Yeah. That little mix of similar weight oil wouldn't have been an issue either in an emergency. So. No, no. And I'll so probably like continue to carry that around. Better than that, yeah. Because now it's not good for the Yamaha. It's, I wouldn't want to put the semi-synthetic in the Yamaha. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is for that bike now. It is my permanent, uh, you know, emergency oil for that bike. But uh, so, where did you guys stop at the end of day one? And day and what one, about day two? We went to Electric City. Okay. Ended up having a good time there, finding an awesome campsite. Yeah. Uh, we got super lucky. It was just outside of town, right on the beach. Right. I mean, it's the beach of the lake there, but yeah. nonetheless, beautiful uh, live music across the lake. It was kind of fun. We just sat outside and chatted. Because you stayed in one spot. Like the group split up, right? Yeah. You had, had some that camped and some that went to a hotel. Basically half went to a hotel and half camped. Yeah. And that's exactly the hotel the that people had to climb out the window of? Yeah. It turns out their hotel, the door broke or something. They had to use the window as their Yeah. It's some hilarious photos. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> at least there was a reason. First, the photos looked a little sketchy to start. <laughs> 
Like maybe they, they bought one too many while they were there and forgot where the door was. But <laughs> yeah. Turns out there was a good reason and the owner of the hotel told them to do that. So yeah. Could have been worse. But uh, no, the campsite was great. We ended up staying. Got Had a rainy night, but really didn't start raining until we went to bed and it stopped raining before we got up. So okay, really no complaints because night two was an Airbnb. So no matter how wet our crap was, yeah, we didn't have to worry about it because we had an indoor stay for sure. night two. So it sure. didn't matter. Um, but yeah, so night one, Electric City spent, uh, you know, on the way there, we got to see some cool stuff. I'd never been to the Scablands. Oh, okay. Kind of a cool area there, uh, on day one was, was a neat, uh, geological features. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's these weird little pools of water, like miniature lakes everywhere. Because when the Missoula floods came through, they tore up softer spots in the ground, left a hole okay. that then has always filled with water and remained a somewhat deep hole that continues to have water. Yeah. Um, so we kind of rode through there, saw some wildlife and, and had a good time. Um, saw the dry floods or the dry lake falls, uh, where the, it was the largest falls, I think, at least on the U.S., if not the world. Doesn't exist anymore, but when the Missoula floods came, it was pouring over this cliffside that kind of incised towers over the, uh, towers over Niagara Falls. But, uh, from there, yeah, we basically got camp, had some dinner, had some breakfast, uh, the next day. Got up, went and saw Grand Coulee Dam. I hadn't okay. seen that. That was yeah, photos. Apparently, that was it's cool. a modern marvel of civil engineering. Just looks oh. like a big dam, but good for them. Yeah, uh, I'm sure civil engineers go nuts for it. I've heard that they do. So it was cool. It had a really cool visitor center. Um, there was talk of do they do a tour a couple times throughout the day. Talk of doing that, but due to time, decided not to. But made the, that whole area. I've never been up through the kind of the lakes there by the Coulee Dam created by all that. Mm-hmm. Sun Lakes or whatever they call them. Um, but really cool area. I would love to bring the family back there and uh, have the opportunity to, you know, go go hang out on the lake, go see the, the tour, mm-hmm. you know, visit all the damn workers at the damn tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, have that chance to, to have a good time and, and let the family enjoy some of these cool sites. So it was uh, more than okay that we kind of burned through some of that because it was they a cool place to come back. back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Electric City itself was a cool little town, not a lot going on, which made it really nice. Like a small town that had a nice lake and a touristy area, but not a ton of tourists. So it was really kind of cool. So I'll I'll plan to head back there in the, in the near future. Uh, but yeah, day two basically went north and skirted the the Canada border. Okay. Um, You didn't cross? Didn't cross at all. Have you ever been to Canada? Yes. Have you? Of course. I think we've talked about it. I was in Vancouver only a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh. It's a few months ago now, but, um... Never ridden through Canada. I'm surprised that you did not try to jump across the border and then come back. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It wasn't worth the hassle. But uh, we rode up, skirted that border, just a lot of twisties. Basically, day two was all twisties. Yeah? Uh, until lunch. Sounds like fun. And we got to lunch a little bit late. Everybody was a little hangry, ready for some food. So we decided on some quick food and then kind of decided, since we had an Airbnb with all of us staying in the same place. Sure. That we'd go ahead and just kind of make time and, and hit less twisty roads. Right. So you could spend time together and, and get those interviews in. Yeah. You brought the recorder, I was I told. I did, yes. And there's a few interviews. Uh, not necessarily did interviews, you? A few conversations. Did you get some? We did. I recorded really? a number of the conversations, just kind of those dinner table conversations. Okay. About the day and what's going on. Uh, we'll add that to the Patreon account. It'll be a, a fun little insight to what it's like at one of these trips. Oh, really? Um, yes, I like that. So it'll, it, it was fun. It was a good conversation about, you know, who was riding, what we were doing, 
the fun parts of the day, what's exciting. Yes. Uh, motorcycle talk in general. It really wasn't anything hyper specific to the trip because okay. it was, you know, seven guys riding bikes that all also yeah. ride track day bikes yeah. and, you know, the, the list goes on and on of what everybody rides and has done. So it was a fun conversation there. And then, uh, yeah. And then we, we basically got there, set up camp. It was a beautiful night. Worked out really well. Those of us that camped went ahead mm-hmm. and put all our stuff out. There was a nice balcony. Sure. Full length balcony out the back. So we just hung our stuff, tied it to the balcony rails and hung our stuff out to dry. Okay. Which was awesome. Perfect. Yeah. By the time, you know, by the time nightfall came, we were dry and, Packed our stuff back up and didn't have to worry about it when he got home. Um, but I had a good time. That was fun. A really okay. nice place out in Pullman. We ended up in Pullman that night. So what did you have for dinner? I ended up having pizza. There was conversation about getting steaks and chicken and whatnot, but we were having a good conversation. Decided just to order in four pizzas. Okay. And we all just had a bunch of pizza and, you know, had a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Make it easy. So, yep. It was easy. And in the morning, the, the conversation kind of rolled into we were going to get Something to cook and then something for breakfast, but due to the desire to make kind of the, the ride home a longer ride, um, we decided to add the Palouse Falls, which was a really cool stop on day on the last day. Okay. Um, we added a number of stops, so we decided we'd leave earlier and get breakfast on the road. Yeah. Um, and or eat some of the food. There was the, the Airbnb While you're was riding, really cool. You have open face mat. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But the Airbnb was cool. Had a little bit of food there. Had some bagels oh, really? and some cereal that was more than available. I mean, stated available to eat. So, every so was had anybody a, there? A light breakfast there. So, were you sharing this place, no. or there was just no, food just us. there? Well, There's food. They, they had a little bit in the fridge at all times. That okay. I don't know if the the owner stocks it or if it's just from whatever everybody leaves when they stay. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody throws away their leftovers as long as it's still good and not, you know, garbage food or expired. Yeah, it's fine. We had you know, I had some cereal. A couple guys had some bagels. It was great. Okay. So we got, you know, kind of a light light breakfast. Yeah. And we'll be on the road by 7.30. So we were up early, got on the road, saw the falls, did a whole bunch of twisties kind of into Oregon. And then a couple of us headed out west so that we could get back in time to see the family and have some dinner. And uh, four others kind of mm-hmm. continued further south, did a lot more twisties in through uh, into Oregon on the last day. So just really, really it was three days full of riding. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of camping, a little bit of staying in an Airbnb, but otherwise, you know, 400-ish miles a day. Which and isn't too bad. I know some guys wanted to do a little bit more. Yep. Others were pretty happy with what you did. Kind of just big... depends. Everybody's a little bit different, but I think that what's great is that it's fine to be who you want when you're out there. If you want to stick with the group, that's it. If you're going to leave, at least let the group know, I think, is the big thing, kind of what's going on and where you're going, just so nobody's concerned. But uh, that was just, uh, sounds like you guys had a good time. Sounds like the Honda did well on the ride. Honda survived. Which I think was one of the most important things that you were probably more concerned with. But you have a nice bike. You know that. It's just these little things that you're going to find due to its age. And I think that's probably the biggest turnoff for anybody is if you're not willing to take the time or you can't, you don't have the time, sorry, to or the resources to be able to do your own service and maintenance and be checking these things that uh, maybe you shouldn't get an older bike. But if you're okay and you enjoy tinkering and checking things and just knowing that you're going to have to watch out for a lot more, um, just minor things that come up, then get an old bike, man, because I think that they can do it just as easily as the new ones, especially one that you know has been taken care of. Yeah, I, I didn't end up with a lot of service history items, but the bike checked out for everything the guy said. Right. Right, all the little things that he had mentioned looked like they had recently been gone through. 
So, you know, visually, surprising. I was able to look so, at it. Like the oil filter housing, you, how are you going to know until you take it off yep. that there was something going on there? And who knows, there may be other things that come up, but the a bike runs so great that it's all minimal. It's just because of age. And at least it's garaged now, and it's been garaged in the past, so it's not covered in rust. Yep. You've got a nice bike. It's in good condition. It works great. You know, I'm sure it'll need, you know, a little bit here and there. Well, needs debatable. I will put a little bit here and there into making sure at least mechanically it's sound as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before the end of summer, I plan to start doing the, you know, triple bypass on it and make sure everything's both front and rear cover. Everything's tight and good clutch mm-hmm. wise, you know, clutch springs, clutch plates, timing chain, mechanical seal need is needed anyway. Um, you know, stator I'll probably look at as well. It's a renowned item to go bad. If it's yeah. not a fresh one, if it's original stator, I'll probably just replace it. Yeah. Um, but really it's not a, you know, the other nice thing going on, what you're talking about is on a bike like this or even, you know, older SV 650s or a lot of these older and by older, it's a, it's a wide range, right? We're talking like 2000 to 75, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of these older Japanese bikes is the parts are still really available for them. Yeah. There's a few niche bikes in between that are hard Yours to find is parts kind for. of a little bit in that category, but the CX shared yes. it, so that helps. That's and The GL that, was very niche, but yes. but it shares a lot with It's in that category CX. where it's not easy to find everything. There yeah. are a handful of the big components that are hard to find, mm-hmm. but they're all available. Yeah. Right? It's not a seven, yeah. you know, a, an 81 Husky, right, where there's or a not a ton of or them. Or you know, what, are the, what are the some of those other ones that we'd seen when you were looking? I know that there was a few. but There's a few, there's a few older by And even Yamaha and Honda and Suzuki have their weird – Kawasaki as well have their weird – Yeah. You know, just a couple year run. Basically, they were testing out some sort of bike mm-hmm. or engine mix. And they're hard to find parts for those. But, you know, a lot of the – especially the maintenance components or the, the basic – you know, seals, gaskets, you can still get new bar, new parts for all that. You don't have to buy mm-hmm. used parts for the gaskets and the seals and the, you know, bushings and bearings and all that stuff. They still make components for because Honda hasn't changed some of those basic items much over the years. Mm-hmm. So there's still some bike out there today that uses similar parts for the most part as these. I mean, to the point, if there's not, then, you know, in the forums, you'll find some alternative that works. Uh, you know, the, the best case we're talking about the water or the, the mechanical seal on the water pump. And there's a, you know, a Honda part that I can still get new old stock. I can still find, you know, whether that be through a Honda dealer or whether that be through some of the, the old stock suppliers. Um, but there's also a Yamaha part that's currently in use mm-hmm. that is a close fit that a lot of guys use. They just have to replace in half the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't last quite as long because it's slightly too small. Doesn't press fit quite as well. But if, you know, in a pinch or if there weren't any Honda parts available, there is a current production Yamaha part fully available that will work. Yeah. Right. And it will work instead of 50,000 miles, you get 20,000 miles, which is still for something that's not all that hard to do, mm-hmm. you know, still a pretty good setup. So that that's the nice part about these old Japanese bikes is, you know, the technology internally hasn't changed much. You know, the, the components and the lighting and some of the. You know, the more modern features of it, fuel mm-hmm. injection, there's a few things that are that are a little bit different. But They're pretty big changes. There's been a lot of – there are minor things that have changed over the years that have made a big impact. But that technology that you're dealing with was around long enough 
that you can still find the parts. And you started off on the right foot yes. by getting a bike that had good bones, that you knew was in good shape, that had the appearance that somebody had taken care of. But even if you can't see the internals, you can't see everything. You can't check out every piece of the bike when you're out there looking at it. But the parts that you could see, you were going, this is nice and clean. Somebody has taken care of it. They've loved this. They've kept it in pretty good shape. It's got some, it's a 40-year-old bike or whatever it is. And it still looks pretty good for 40 years old, right? It's got a few scuffs here and there, some scratches, but nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah. So you started off right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Don't get into something that you're like, oh, I got it for $200 and it's going to be a great bike. Well, hopefully. But at the same time, yeah, all that rust and everything, that means that it's into, everything is going to be going is going to be a struggle to replace yep. parts, to fix things, to check things out. There's a lot more unknowns with that kind of a bike that hasn't that's been neglected. So definitely getting something that you know has been taken care of and paying just a little bit more for it can be well worth it. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, realistically, you know, best case scenario on this bike with someone that didn't know what they had would have been thirteen to fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So, you know, and if I wasn't going on a trip and wanting to participate in this trip, I would have probably waited for that. Yeah. But it was well worth a couple hundred dollars to know that, hey, this, this, even if I need to just not do any of the fixes mm -hmm. and use that quart of oil and liter of coolant, mm -hmm. it would have made the trip without me doing anything probably. Yeah. yeah you kind of created your own problems or, or in the process wanting to do this, but I think you did the right thing. I yeah. I mean, I basically solved problems that I would have been solving later. Yeah. I just did it before. But I agree that I think as it stood... Even with an old oil filter, it's a Honda. It would have made the trip fine. It's 1,100 miles. Yeah. Not like I was going on a 20,000-mile, you know, three-year <laughs> adventure. And it was fresh oil. It just wasn't – it wasn't a fresh filter. Correct. Right. And so definitely not ideal. But Which probably would have been okay. I will say, I drained the oil, and it was moderately dirty. How did I, it feel? And I put less miles on – I mean, that was 600 miles mm -hmm. between me buying the bike when he had just changed the oil mm -hmm. and me – then swapping oil and filter, the oil was moderately dirty. After this 1,100 miles, if I pull the dipstick out, it is clean as can be still. So right. it made a big difference. There was definitely a complete, you know, dirty, soaked to the bone with grime oil filter. Did you notice any performance differences? Just out of curiosity. Not really. I don't think it changed too much. I, think I mean, you hadn't been doing this for years, and then you noticed a drastic change, right? I mean, if you'd been more yeah. tuned to the bike. Like the Scrambler, you could tell when little things were slightly different. There's a few things. I mean, it, it feels a little more rattly oh. since the trip, but that could very well be, you know, a timing chain adjustment. Okay. Could very well be just the uh, valve Checking the valves. There's a few things I wanted to do before the trip, but decided not to get in over my head. What does it have it like it for set. the timing chain? Is it an automatic? Or? It is a manually adjusted automatic tension. That makes sense. So it's a <laughs> there's a timing chain lever arm on a spring that okay. pushes against the chain. Right. But that push amount is millimeters. Uh, it's not very big, so you loosen a screw and let the whole assembly reset, mm -hmm. and then tighten the screw back. So all it is is you loosen a loosen a bolt, okay, that runs okay. through the case, and then you retighten the bolt, and it you resets. manually reset the yes. torque that it's applying or yes. the pressure. So the of torque force, runs whatever. out; it, it gets loose quickly. Yeah, 
and it's uh, every other oil change. So mm-hmm. who knows when the last time it was done? It could very well be that I should have done it at this oil change. But to do it, you got to pull the valve covers, make sure you're at top dead center on the compression stroke. Right. Which it's not as simple as, well as just your randomly loosening yeah. and tightening. You got to do it at the right point of the cycle. Oh, this sounds like fun. So it's just one that's easy enough, but you got to pull the tank to do the valve covers, which isn't so hard, but. I love learning about this stuff. I've that, to me, it. is part of the excitement of owning something that's mechanical, is yep. understanding it. So and learning cool. the nuances of each item. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, you are going to be simpler, the CXGL expert. There's a lot more work in this than the Scrambler, but it's simpler work. Okay. Because of its age, the, the service intervals are much shorter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you're supposed to check the valve significantly more often than the Scrambler. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed but it's to not you know, shims. adjust the, but it's, yeah, it's a, uh, you know. So it's like, okay, you have to do it more, but Loosen it's the simple. nut, screw it to it's the right simple. level, tighten the nut. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Exactly. This is awesome. So the work is much simpler, but a lot more often, which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Kind of at the point that that, that is a lot cheaper too. Okay. I mean, everything about the maintenance on this is significantly cheaper. Right. Significantly simpler. The, the risk of doing it wrong is much less mm-hmm. because it's a push rod. Only minimally interference engine. You'd have to be way off on your valve adjustment to actually have any interference. Sure. It, you know, even if you screwed it up and did it on the wrong stroke, you're right on the exhaust stroke instead of the compression stroke. Oh, well, you're only going to be off by, you know, 0.01 millimeter. It's only going to cause a little bit of running issue. You'll hear the exhaust note change. Mm-hmm. Even though you did it wrong and you can run it for 100 miles and go redo it and it won't do any damage. Right. You just okay. lose a little performance. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to have that kind of I mean, the old, right, stability of that, that this is what guys would buy and run, you know, the books that we read of guys that go on these 50,000-mile adventures. It's not on the new bikes. They still do that, but that's with a lot of support from the manufacturer generally. Mm-hmm. Whereas those old bikes, they just ran and they would throw some duct tape on it and keep running, right? Yeah. The the valve comes loose and they find a screw that's almost the same size and now they're hitting the valve with instead of a perfectly rounded valve adjusting screw they've got your standard m4 screw in there because that's all they could find and they filed it down so it was almost round yeah and it worked right close enough close enough. it's good enough that yeah your your variability from running good and bad to destruction that gap in the middle of good and bad is huge mm-hmm. on these older bikes to where it's pretty hard to do any permanent damage Mm-hmm. Especially on a water-cooled bike like this one, yeah. Or even if you're running a little hot, you've got that extra little security of coolant running through the system, where you're not going to just your fuel temperature isn't the only thing burning your engine up, mm-hmm. right? Running dry of fluid is going to be a big, big proponent there. If you're starting to boil fluid, then you know you are doing damage with that hot, you know, running a little hot. But if you're not boiling fluid, then your fluid's going to compensate for that as long as you're running down the highway and getting a good flow. So it's kind of nice to have that extra little security blanket. On an older bike that you just, it's never going to be perfect again mm-hmm. unless I go through and completely rebuild the whole thing. Sure. So that stress of those little nuances going off is, well, don't run it quite so close to redline, right? Rev it out a little less and mm-hmm. it'll compensate for this problem it's having. Yeah. Right? It's not going to grenade itself unless I really ring it out while it's having problems. So it's a comfortable, comfortable feeling. I like that a lot about this bike. Uh, it's a little less expensive. It's a lot of fun. Zero to 60, zero to 70 is, is a riot on it. Above 70, it's 13 seconds. Got a plenty of, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty slow, but it just, it's, <laughs> it's got not enough that torque bad. to have it's fun. It's not that bad. It's not 13 seconds. It's got enough torque to have fun. First gear is a little wimpy anyway. Yeah. The run up from second gear on is much better. Um, 
but it's you know it's got enough torque to have fun. It cars yeah, sure. awkwardly enough that it's kind of fun because it's so lumbering. Um, you know, there's a lot of little, little nuances to it that are that are a lot of fun. I'm glad I got the bike. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see you know getting rid of that front fairing, getting rid of some of this extra weight. What that mm-hmm. does to that you know 55 horses, yeah. right? Maybe a little difference in carb jetting and and what's play the with GL650 on horsepower? I don't know. Interesting. Do you know? I don't. Why did you ask? Because I figured you knew. You knew these things. You, you want know one so bad. You should get one. <laughs> Just so that way mine's bigger. Well, I know. I know that's important to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's good. The other problem is, is it's so inexpensive that it keeps you, at least keeps me on the lookout for other bikes in this low price, low price range. It's hard to not want to jump on these bikes and just waste every penny I got. Okay. Waste is debatable, I know, but you know, there's. I think you got your uh, your second to uh, your your uh, worn out GL for your parts bike for a pretty good price. We've seen some other bikes that come up, other GLs that seem like they all stay pretty relatively low. I mean, we saw that 650 show up. That I was I was referencing something that we looked at earlier. Wasn't in the same shape. It was in pretty good shape, but not quite as nice as the one that you got. And the price reflected that. But it is a 650, which is interesting because we know that there's more power. And it wasn't it wasn't a CX. It wasn't a turboed version. But uh, it still would be pretty sweet just to have the little bit more umph. Maybe I wonder. I can't be night and day different, but it's probably going to help in some of those areas like that mid range. Yeah, were I imagine about. it just lets it run up the entire range. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I've got enough projects in the garage that I'm actually making progress on. Get that scooter on. out of there. Yep, scooter out. We'll bring the old GL in. Yes. Tear it down, bag the parts I want to keep, check uh, check if I can make it a runner. If not, sell the parts I don't want to keep. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's two spots there available. Mm-hmm. Gives me a chance for another project. So Good. Looking Either that other GL is going to be a project or it's going to just go into a parts bag. Mm-hmm. And go into a much smaller space than the entire bike takes up. Yeah. Well, you've got spare parts. Save everything I, that's good. I'm not and worried you've got about it. the bags. I'm not worried about the trunks. I'd rather let somebody that needs them have them. Because if I go down on the other GL, I'm not going to plan on replacing those. Yeah. So there's really no reason to hang on to those big bulky items that mm-hmm. you know that are sitting on the bike right now. Should be able to go ahead and pass those on to somebody who maybe did lay it down or really does want those bags. Yeah. yeah. And could use them on their bike. So uh, that'll open up a little bit of space, uh, get working on some of the dirt bike projects I've got. Um, but with two other bikes out, it gives me an open open slot. So Sweet. to kind of keep an eye out for those low cost, whether it's the 650 or some of these 750 uh, cruisers we're seeing come up. There's yeah, a few things coming up at low costs right now. So yeah, kind of just keep my eye out. What was it, the most recent one that you saw on Copart? Was it uh, was a, 1400? Yeah, 1400 Kawasaki, I believe, or Suzuki. Suzuki, Suzuki 1400. Like a VS or VF, I can't remember. A couple things coming up. That one looked a little overly customized, but you can only know by looking. I know. We're going to go look at it now. I'm we definitely. Have to. I mean, it's got two weeks before it goes up for sale. There's time to go check it out at launch. Yeah. Was it there the last time we were there? I don't think it was. Was I this the North one. Portland one? Yep. Oh. I don't think it was See, we, we told everybody else about it. Now it's sold. That's probably true. That's okay. Yeah? Good? Good for them. Yeah, I've been um, pretty impressed by speaking, what they've had. It's interesting. Yeah, they don't have bad choices. But speaking of telling people, we should make an announcement that this coming weekend, 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Pro Caliber. You're getting married. There, yes, to an Indian. You are? Yes. Okay. The motorcycle, to be clear. Oh, that is coming up. I'm looking no, forward to that. they've got motorcycle demo days. Indians bring yes. the truck this weekend. Okay. Uh, and I am hoping they have the FTR 1200, because I want so badly. Uh, are they doing it with those it. right now? If not, you, I still would like to try the 1200 Scout. Okay. I hear nothing but good things from Brad here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really want to get on that. My goal is to try to hit that probably after work on Friday this week. You think so? To uh, So if you want to come say hi, you can come with. You can <sighs> meet me there. Okay. Um, the Saturday's just too busy. Maybe Sunday, but I feel bad doing that. Sunday's family day. Yeah. So I yeah, probably won't so end up reasons, going yeah. Sunday. But Friday after work might work out. And then... And then from there, we, uh, I was finding weird things in the room here. I'm sorry, I distracted Addison. Yeah. I had to point it out. <laughs> but, uh, and then the following weekend. Okay. Not this weekend, but next. So what is that? This weekend is, what, the 7th? <laughs> the 9th. The 9th. The weekend of the 9th. And then that would be the weekend of the 15th, 16th. It would be next weekend. Sorry, you guys all get to run through my brain function here. Okay. Um, there's a Yamaha demo day at Procal as well. So oh. I'm coming with the truck again, uh, this time Yamaha, where you can go sign up Ooh. and ride as many Yamahas as you want. As now, that's what you space. went to last year, right? So I went to last year and got me convinced I needed a different bike. Right. And then you went a whole different route. And then I completely We talked reset. about the XSR for over almost a year. Almost a year. Almost well, a year. A few months. A few months. Come on. And then uh, probably about six months. But uh, I would like to get back on the XSR. <laughs> I really want to try the 700. Really? Just I know that see. you've seen some. I've yeah. seen a couple pop up. And, you know, I, I the GL500 has converted me to a small bike guy. I kind of get the arguments that, I mean, I know there's articles about, you know, the XSR 900 is not the bike you want because the 700 is. Right, you, the XSR 900 is too big, whatnot. For these trips, that's probably not true, but for the day-to-day commute, there's something about the extra mileage. There's something about that nimbleness that is really fun. And this the 700 has a sixth gear. If this bike had a sixth gear, the GL 500, it would have been able to keep up. I, I enjoy having something kind of wrung out a little bit. There's something like Riding that but when you're on the highway. It's nice to just drop it into another gear and let it cruise. I understand that, but for me, the riding excitement when yes. I'm wanting to ride, not just cruise, not just sightsee, but ride, when you actually, maybe not over pushing your bike, not hurting it in any way, over revving it or whatever the case may be, but actually riding it, utilizing its power band, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. And when you're having to be careful because that power band, it, power band is higher than your ability level it's not quite as fun when you can just get on it and you don't have to worry about it too much that's a lot of fun that's a lot of fun well that's why the 700 it's kind of calling it's a lot cheaper and if that's all the bike i need is it a 2k difference that's about a thousand dollars new difference um but in the used market there's more of them so it ends up being significantly about 2k in the mm-hmm. used market, cheaper. Okay. It depreciates color quicker. scheme's better? It's the same. Oh. Same color. Well, same colors, different scheme. <laughs> it's the same model year colors, but they, the stripes and the the black lines on it and all the, th- the little additions are very mm-hmm. different in okay. how they post them. I like it a little bit better on the 700. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, 
but I like the look of the 900 better. I like the bigger, rounder tank, so it's a give and take. But, like I said, you know, every once in a while you see the, the 700 plastic is cheap. different around the tank? Aluminum is the right word, but yes. Aluminum. Cast aluminum. Aluminium? Not cast, sorry. Formed aluminum. Cast. Cast. Podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple bikes at Yamaha's <laughs> fleet I'd like to look at. Jump on and, and feel. Mm. Um, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to that Tracer 900 again just because it was a fun bike. You need to get a phaser. Tracer would Yamaha be a good phaser. bike. No, that Tracer GT is a phaser. good bike, man. But they want a lot for it. And that's the problem I've got is I'm not willing to pay that kind of cash. A GL500 works great. Stay with your bike. Yeah. Stay with your bike and in this range because there's so much enjoyment in making something run its best. Know that you didn't spend a fortune on it and just be able to really ride it and have fun. I know that you loved your bike. I know it. There's I know still it. peak you... power that this doesn't make that I really, even on this trip, there was a number of times I wished the peak power was not where it is. That I got, you know, I... I wanted to go there's ring it options. out and have a good time. There's VFR 800s. There's there's other options. There's no, other I options. That. This that bike, this bike will, will do that my in the price range year. that you're looking for. I know everyone understood us talking over each other, but next year I won't tour in this bike. I will commute in this bike. I'm just gonna stay over here and be quiet. Thank you, Brad. Ah, oh, it's about time. And on that note, we've now lost one of our hosts. But we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll post some, we talked about a lot of stuff. We'll post it to the Patreon page with regards to some of the fixes we've done, uh, and some of the ride video, ride pictures, different ride items. Brad's giving a thumbs up because he's out. Um, otherwise, we're, uh, we're happy that everybody's been listening. We appreciate all the support. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate everybody. Visit our website, slackermoto.com radio. Uh, you can do Slacker Radio, share with your friends, please rate and review, and feel free to hit up our Patreon page. There's a few, uh, you know, just posts on there kind of to keep our, not social media, but our, our updates to anyone that's listening are kind of held there as well as on Facebook. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, thanks again, and we hope everybody has a wonderful week. The weather's getting good. Get out and ride. Till next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.